Hello and welcome back to the Quackdown Podcast. I am Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingley. And uh, we got a lot to talk about since we last spoke together. Um, got fall practice going on. Got uh, some, some guys missing. Uh, some guys standing out. Who's going to step up? Lots of different questions. How are you doing, though? I'm doing well. Uh, the fall season football the return to football is just ticking closer and closer and that's super exciting and then I'm also going back to school in like a week here so that's that's on my mind as well but doing well enjoying a little week at the beach so that's been fun yeah nice yeah and you uh you're not on them quarter systems huh so you got to start earlier (laughs) got to start early exactly yeah yeah um meanwhile I'll be on vacation um (laughs) So we got a few different news bits, uh, again, since we last recorded, which was a while ago now, but um, some other stuff we will get to uh, throughout this is first off Saturday Night Live, uh, just chronologically, we were both at that event. Uh, I believe it's both our first, our, yeah, both of our first like media credential event, right? Yeah. For the Ducks. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was yeah. sweet. Um so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then you got to go to Oregon Media Day. Was that the next day, a couple of days later? Yeah, a couple of days later. But yeah, okay. that was awesome too. Got to ask a question to Johnny Johnson. That was pretty cool. Nice, nice. And yeah, uh, I know uh, Max Torres from your camp and uh, Nick Patty as well have been around fall camp. Um, I've been to a, a practice myself. Uh, I got to go, what was that, yesterday, two days ago? Today's Thursday. Yeah, two days ago. Um, so we'll just run through a little bit of that stuff and then uh, talk about a very important recent commitment. Um, unless you want to just jump right into that, since that's the most recent news. Yeah, maybe we should jump into that. That's that's the big thing. Let's do it. Yeah. So Jalil Florence, cornerback uh, out of San Diego, um, 6'1", 175, uh, committed to the Ducks this morning, right? Like early in the morning. Um, right and early 9 30. Yeah, there was some. I saw some in depth hat analysis going down on Twitter with, uh, with regards to who he would choose based on the Washington, Oregon, and Michigan caps that he had laid out the night before. Hat, uh, hat science is, is one of the best parts of recruiting. Yeah, I had to, I had to get uh, Kevin Wade, formerly at 247 Sports, had to get his perspective. He's one of the, uh, I think, original hat scientists in the field. So I'm kind of trying to get my feet wet, learn the, learn the ways. That was pretty interesting. Uh, despite some speculation in the hat game that, uh, suggested Michigan, um, he picked up the Oregon hat and put it on today. Uh, we may see, um, as we've kind of mentioned before him and Jaleel Tucker, who are currently on the same team, if I'm not mistaken, um yeah sort of considered like a package deal so fingers crossed that uh tucker will also commit um i think his commitment's on yeah down is august 20th so yeah that's right and this is definitely a big deal for oregon just kind of these had been two guys who people had penciled into the ducks or kind of had the ducks as favorites for for a long time but I think the big thing is just moving up those commitment states and getting them out of the way before the season or getting them kind of locked in before the season. Um, And so I think, you know, 
talking, going to that SNL event, I think that was kind of the catalyst for these decisions being moved up. Ultimately, people kind of were disappointed that there weren't the immediate fireworks afterwards. But I think that seeing uh, Florence and Tucker move up these commitment dates have been kind of the big story of SNL. Uh, and a big win for the Ducks because they didn't have a cornerback committed yet this cycle. They had two safeties. Um, but these two guys are studs uh, who will make an impact in or at Oregon, definitely, if they join. I mean, Tucker hasn't announced yet, obviously, and you never know in recruiting. But, you know, I, I have a, I think uh, the Ducks will win. I have a prediction for that, for uh, Tucker to Oregon. Um, and so that's, that's a big news and, and a big development for the pipeline in San Diego, which is growing with Grayson Holton coming on and Byron Cardwell from last class. Um, and Achilles Smith, former Ducks quarterback has been kind of one of the, one of the people who's kind of engineered that pipeline because he's based in San Diego and has, you know, fingers in that football scene there. Um, mm -hmm. so that's been cool. Uh, and, uh, the Florence commitment today was a big thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously another four star, right. Um, yeah, on two four seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, obviously, uh, secondary is definitely a, an area of need going forward. Um, not to say that we don't have a bunch of talent there already, but I mean, uh, this could be a segue into uh, some other, probably the biggest offseason news. I think it's safe to say. Sorry for the dog. Um, uh, and that was DJ James and Jamal Hill getting arrested, or maybe they weren't arrested, just charged. Um, I believe this was last week, uh, some drive-by airsoft shootings going on. I'm sure you've heard about them by now if you're listening to this. Um, complicates things quite a bit. Obviously, both were pretty much slated in starting spots at this point. Uh, Jamal Hill yeah. at the nickel, which is now called the star under DeRuyter, but DeRuyter, whatever, it's the nickel. Um, as that 50B, obviously, he had two... Uh, interceptions in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, was he yeah. game MVP or just defensive MVP? I don't remember. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah. Either way, I mean, yeah, not a good guy to lose. And then obviously DJ James is the other starting corner, or assume so, right. alongside Mikhail Wright. Um, right, so. the guy we expected to step in next to him. And the only guy really in that quarterback room with, which, with much meaningful experience, it feels like. Mm -hmm. Um so those are big hits, definitely. I think cornerback and secondary was a place that Oregon was already thin at going into this year um, with the departures that they faced in recent seasons. Mm -hmm. And losing those two makes that even more of a question mark in, with the prospect of a big test against Ohio State in week two coming up this season. Yeah. And the Buckeyes have maybe the best receiver room in the entire country. Yeah. Like it's historically good. Um, yeah. Kind of assume that pretty much everyone there will be in the league. Uh, so that's not good. That's very much not good. Uh, very, very bad, actually. Um, again, they're suspended indefinitely. So who knows what that means going forward, but they haven't been to any of the four practices yet, four or five practices. Um, so, yeah. Not, yeah. not great. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll – who knows when exactly we'll get that decision from Cristobal, um, and I'm sure that asking him about it won't make it happen any sooner. Um, <laughs> but I think I think it was Matt Prame uh, put it 
Krem put it well on the two four seven boards. He said, "I would be surprised if uh, we see them playing the first series against Fresno State, and I would be surprised if they were cooked, kicked off the team." But yeah. other than that, there's a big range uh, that it could be, you know, and, and that's yeah. I think that's the only way to look at it right now. Who knows? You know, those police reports come out and sometimes they're uh, not totally accurate. You do more digging <laughs> and you find out some other detail that makes it worse or better. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe, you know, obviously from a football perspective, it would be nice to have them back against Ohio State week two. Uh, I don't think that's super likely right now, but mm -hmm. it could happen uh, depending on what they find. And but I think more likely is they probably we don't see them until conference play uh, or a, a little ways into conference play, if I had to guess. But, yeah. you know, not really my place to speculate also. So I think what we can take from this is that, well, at least in a positive sense, is that uh, we're going to see some new guys stepping up. We already have in fall camp. Um, when I was there on Tuesday, uh, the, the nickel room was looking like um, – uh, let's see, geez, I, I literally tweeted this out and I don't remember it. It was Williams, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Bossa, and who else was it? Happel, Happel was probably in there. Yeah. yeah, I think it was Happel. Jeez, great, great audio, I know. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, one of those guys I would expect to be the starter, if I had to guess, probably Happel or Williams. Obviously, they have a lot more experience. Bossa's just coming in as a freshman. Um, yeah. I think, I think there's a really good chance it's Bennett Williams' job. Maybe that's wishful thinking because I think he has the highest uh, upside, at least immediately. I mean, Bossa could be good down the road, but, but uh, Bennett Williams is there right now. Um, and if you look at you know his play at, at Illinois, he was a playmaker there. He, um, he made some interceptions and, and forced fumbles, and you know that's – that's going to be the recipe versus Ohio state. Really. I think, um, is we're, we're close, but we need to steal a couple possessions there. And then it gets really interesting. Um, and he is a guy who has a potential to do that. The big question though, for me is, is not so much that Jamal Hill to Bennett Williams is a huge drop off because Hill was coming on, but he was inconsistent at times last year too. But after Bennett Williams, who is it? Cause Happel, mm -hmm we've talked about it before is, you know, a smart player, but is just not quite that caliber of athlete uh, to be playing, to be covering the receivers at Ohio state in week two. Mm -hmm. uh, and boss is just too young. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's the same story at corner. I think yeah. if you say Dante Manning steps in there uh, and takes that second corner spot, then I'm like, okay, I can feel all right about that. Uh, he's a former five-star and, you know, he seems like he's been looking good in camp, but then what's after that? Is it Triquas Bridges? Maybe, uh, he could, uh, he could do something. Um, but then it's a lot of youth. It's, it's Barkins, Davies and Dickerson who, you know, are stepping into college for the first time. And that's a big ask to have them play a huge role, uh, in that week two game at Ohio state. So, yeah, same goes for a little guy like JJ Greenfield, you know. Right. Uh, you mentioned Dickerson. Uh, I, I would say Manning and Bridges are, are pretty much the 
either one of those two, I think is who we're going to see starting in that game um, or, or in week one for that matter. Um, again, this all could be irrelevant by like the second half of the Fresno state game, maybe like who knows, maybe crystal balls just holding them out. I'm sure again, they're dealing with things internally, but um, I would put my money on Manning. Although bridges did uh, I did get to interview bridges um, after practice on Tuesday and the dude is just huge, man. Yeah. Like he, he, threw out his wingspan for us and he was like yeah i'm actually like like my wingspan is like taller than i am it's like seven two or whatever <laughs> everybody was just kind of like what <laughs> so he threw his arms out for us damn he has length um but yeah man obviously manning similar story like one of those taller lankier corners uh and, and you're to be clear you're gonna need three corners too you know yeah it's, yeah it, even if Manning gets the job, Bridges is playing, uh, you know, his fair share of snaps probably in that game if if, James, if DJ uh, James is out. Yeah. So, again, I mean, it's going to be a trial by fire uh, for a lot of this year. Um, but I think something something interesting that I'm pretty sure we've talked about off, uh, off mic was that um, I believe it was uh, Eric Scopel at 247 did the um, kind of – a review of the offenses we're going to be facing in the Pac-12 in 2021. Um, let's just say it might not be as big of a deal as you would normally expect. Uh, obviously, with Ohio State, like it doesn't get any worse than that in terms of like matchups. But um, in the conference schedule, which again, like, is kind of the—I don't want to call it the first priority, but it's kind of like you know you got to nail your conference games first. Um, yeah. There's not a lot of potent attacking like air attacking offenses that we'll be facing. Obviously we miss USC who love to throw the ball at this point in Slovis. Um, we're going to miss uh, who's the other team ASU from the South as yeah. well. So, I mean, obviously UW has got some work to do themselves on their off on, on the offensive side and they're pretty much our perceived biggest threat right now in the North. So I don't feel too terrible about this. There's never a good time for it to happen. Um, but I think this could be like, you know, assuming it has to happen, this could be a, an okay year for it to happen. Um, and again, like this is, they won't be out for the whole season. I, I think that's, I'm pretty confident in saying that. Um, and getting younger guys reps is something that as we've seen in the past with guys like uh, Graham and Lenore, like it can make a huge difference going forward in the future. So yeah, hopefully we throw some of these freshmen out there and they look good. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> it's a big if. But um, all right, that, that's enough on those suspensions. Um, let's talk about the other big news um, that we've been excited about. Uh, the Oregon Duck released his own book. Did you see? <laughs> awesome. Yes, the book, of course. Kids book. The, the announcement we all wanted, the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, by the way, we also got New Jersey's, uh, which I, I don't know if, I mean, they draw very similar, um, you know, comparisons and styles from what we already had, but it's still exciting to get New Jersey's obviously like as Oregon fans, it's a little more exciting than people at other programs, uh, get excited about New Jersey's, but, um, 
I think I like them a little bit more than you as we've, we've talked about this a little bit. I love these. I think they're great. Um, yeah, there are things here and there that I would like better. But as we mentioned, the O in the middle instead of the swoosh is huge. That's awesome. That's great. Um, and I think it's just a fresh new, like, you know, it's it's not like a new, it's like when you update your phone. It's not a whole new iOS. Like, it's not going to be totally different. It's just the little tweaks here and there that make a difference. So I like them. Yeah, my, my only issue with them is the yellow ones. I love the green ones and, and the white ones. I mean, we didn't get a white helmet or white pant yet. I assume we probably will at some point. Uh, the white jersey I liked. The green ones I loved. I loved the fade on the wings uh, there from green to yellow. And the jersey, the kind of sleeve pattern um, or shoulder pattern I thought was pretty cool um, with that reference to those kind of ducks that are in the Mashovsky Center, I think. Um, for pro ducks is, mm -hmm. is kind of the, the design of that little pattern on the shoulder and the wing detail there is cool. Um, the yellow ones, I'm just a little tired of, we always go black and yellow and then the wit, why are the wings on the helmet? Like silver? Why aren't they black? <laughs> yeah, they why aren't they the black fade? Why aren't they the yellow fade to black? Like the green helmet yeah, was. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah, that was that was the main thing is I the, the thing is, we were actually together when they were, were released and mm -hmm. the green one I was so excited about. I was like, these are awesome. But mm -hmm. then the yellow one dropped and I I was expecting that we go with the wing fade on the helmet for all of them. And mm -hmm. then it was we just got the one uh, helmet and that was disappointing. But yeah. I, they're they're good overall. I think I might be in, in store for a New Jersey. So maybe I'll get the white one, I think. It's also, I mean, as always with jerseys, you got to wait till you see them on the field. Like you can't evaluate just from Twitter pictures. Like you got to wait until they're on the field. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it'll be engaging um, for recruits and stuff. Yeah. And that's what really matters. So yeah. Yeah. And again, it and doesn't they matter actually, if like, we like them. It matters if recruits like them. <laughs> right. True. And, and they were actually wearing them at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, so I got to see the green ones in person and, and they definitely stand out, especially the details. I only got to see the Jersey, no helmet, but, uh, but the Jersey looked good. Definitely. Yeah. Still fun. Still fun. Uh, final piece of news before we jump into, uh, just kind of the rundown of what we've been through recently. Um, the PAC 12 announced today, uh, again, early in the morning that this big, long, unnecessarily like paragraph long statement official statement basically saying like if if you have covid you can't play and if your team can't play then you will forfeit the game i think it's i mean there's not really much to draw from this like other conferences are doing this this is not weird or even super noteworthy by any means i just think it's funny that this wasn't instituted last year obviously last year was a total different set of circumstances but like and obviously it's easier to say this uh, coming from a fan of a team who like didn't have a ton of COVID issues uh, relative to the rest of the conference. But I don't know. It's like last year you would just cancel games. And this year it's like, you can't, I mean, you have to be vaccinated. Uh, obviously around the conference, the biggest talking point with this continues to be Nick Rolovich, uh, Wazoo head coach who publicly stated that for personal reasons, he was not getting vaccinated, which like, okay, man, do whatever you want, I guess. But 
your team will probably suffer because of it. And you're going to have to wear a mask the entire time on the sideline. So your loss, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, for me, it was just kind of like a, uh, I don't know, piece of like official thing. That's like, we're back to normal, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. fine. I, I mean, it's exciting that hopefully because of this, there just won't be the cancellations and it won't be up in the air. Like last year, it felt like, okay, it's Thursday. Maybe we actually can like finally expect that there will be a game on Saturday. (laughs) And then it's like, Oh, Friday. Okay. We're good. Wake up early Saturday. Did they get through the last check? Oh, okay. We're playing tonight. Like, yeah, (laughs) I I don't want to go through that again. Gives people an incentive to take care of themselves and the people around them and not get COVID, which is always a good thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Enough about that. Let's launch into these recent events. Um, Let's start with SNL. We were both there. Uh, I think we could both agree. It was a super fun experience. Uh, It's a very unique one. Um, Obviously like other programs do camps and stuff, but this one is just sort of, you know, it has a unique spin on it. Um, we got to meet a ton of different media members, some of which we've name dropped already on the show. Uh, that was really fun. Um, got to be on the field and just like photograph and take notes on guys. Uh, would have been easier if we had a roster. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have a roster. That was <laughs> kind of hard to, you know, single out like one guy out of like 200 when you don't have his like name and number in front of you and they're all wearing the same same jersey and had a soft helmet yeah yeah some guys are easy to pick out like cyrus boss uh we got i mean i think that was kind of the biggest um i think you could call him the biggest performer of the day maybe um got escorted personally by cristobal across the field you know even got some like db type reps uh which is like freakish to see in a good way um so hopefully we can lock down his commitment soon but uh who are some other guys who stood out to you at the event yeah i think you know cyrus was the big one i think uh julio florence looked good there for sure um and obviously you know the one who just joined in uh, and that was the big like we talked about at the top that was kind of the big victory from a recruiting perspective from snl i think um the other big one obviously was Damani Dent um that was the one where you know we were literally sitting there in the media pin and you see this guy working out in in uh drills and everyone's like who who is that who is that guy that guy looks he stands out you know Mm -hmm. looks like he's he's a little bit better than everyone else and then there's just it was so funny because there's just whispers going on Oh, I think I found him. Oh, he's an Akron commit. What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's ranked in the thousands. What? Um, It was just like, this is strange, but it was Mm -hmm. pretty obvious. And uh, we saw uh, Rod Chance give him like a little, I mean, this is what I saw at least like Rod Chance kind of looked over to him, gave him a little bit of a, you know, a point or something like, Oh, good job. And then someone came up to him and was like, made note of who he was and stuff. And they kind of shut down his work a little bit <laughs> to not expose him more like uh, for being, an, you know, kind of a diamond in the rough that he looked like. 
And then a few days later, sure enough, Oregon popped the offer to him. I got to do an interview with him after that. Mm-hmm. Um, he described Oregon as his dream school. He said D'Anthony Thomas caught his eye when he was growing up um, and just said, it, you know, it was a good experience. He had a lot of confidence. He said he'd, he'd been to an Alabama camp before and done the same thing, kind of, uh, you know, locking down a lot of higher rated guys. And so it was a really interesting story. I think it's kind of a COVID thing, just like a guy who got lost in the, in the shuffle in his junior year uh, when in-person evals got shut down. And that's the purpose of this type of event. You fly mm-hmm. a guy out here and then, you know, you discover someone who could be a take on your team uh, in a cornerback and a secondary room that, that needs a little bit of reinforcement. Um, so that was a big success. I mean, the Ducks had lost Terrence Brooks and Zeke Berry to uh, Ohio State and Arizona recently as corners. They kind of needed another prospect in the secondary. Um, now, as they lock in Florence and maybe Tucker, you know, they could have one more spot looming. And I think that Dent, there's a good chance that he possibly ends up in this class. Um, just to plug something that I did, I, I did a final forecast piece on uh, the Oregon 2022 class, kind of putting out the, what I expect to be the final class that it signs with Oregon on signing day. I put one of those out in early July. Um, I put, I had a lot of guys who later committed in, including Kelvin Banks, Dave Ayuli, uh, Jolio Florence. Um, and then I just did a update of that. That's about to post on Duck's Digest, um, which included some other high profile names. Um, so people should go check that out. Uh, I think, it's kind of the piece that I put the most work into probably during my time writing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, you know, I love to kind of just try to condense all the recruiting information we have down into one place where you can just get a picture of what could, what could this class look like when it's all said and done at signing day right now. Um, and so it's a long piece in my old format. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> I, it, it was fun to write and yeah, people should check that out to kind of get an idea. And I did include Dent in there as, as well, um, as kind of in the, in that secondary as the fifth guy there. Yeah. Um, a couple quarterbacks, uh, got offers after this as well. I think a 2024 guy, even, um, 2023 maybe as well. Uh, Tanner Bailey was in attendance, although he wasn't throwing much. Uh, we got to see him warming up with Stefan Johnson though. Right. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, Johnson had a good camp. He had some big catches. Um, he looks awesome. Yeah. Portion. He looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it was tough to like highlight specific guys and like watch them the entire time with, without a roster. Um, we got one afterwards, but by then it's like, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was a good experience. Again, it's not for guys like us. It's for like the, you know, athletes, like it's to get them exposure. It's to get them more familiar with the program and more familiar with the coaches. Um, so yeah. And personally, it was just fun to see like drills again. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I watched like actual football drills in person. Um, same goes yeah. for practice. Like it's just fun to watch guys work. Yeah. It was, it was awesome to see drills in person. Awesome to be back in Austin stadium. And just personally, it was cool also to meet some of those media guys. You know, we got to shake hands with Eric Scopel, Matt Prem, Justin Hopkins, 
you know, um, James Carpia was there. Andrew Nemec was there. Uh, um, all the AJ guys. Jacobson. So was, yeah. yeah. AJ Jacobson, right. Um, our guy, our guy Dylan McKinnon was there. Love Dylan. With, yeah. <laughs> with the younger crowd. Yeah. It was cool to meet him in person finally. Um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, it was, it was just a cool thing to actually get to cover an event. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think our biggest takeaway from that though, was, um, this, this new video board is huge, man. It is like unbelievably massive. It seems like I, I don't, I mean, it's not in front of me right now, so I couldn't confirm this, but like, it seems like if you put it on the field, like face down, it would be like a fourth of the field. It is just, <laughs> it's huge. It is huge. <laughs> like I don't think people like I guarantee you that's going to be the biggest talking point uh from from the Fresno State game especially when <laughs> casuals is like oh my god that thing is massive um so yeah and there's even a video board on the outside as well which is kind of cool yeah um yeah that was SNL uh as we mentioned a couple days later you got to go to Oregon Media Day um which is basically you know the program like kind of previewing itself for the year. I don't know. How would you describe it? You were the one who was there. Yeah. I, I mean, it was kind of weird for me because, you know, I was, I was going there and I was like, Oh, what questions should I ask? It's a little bit of an awkward thing. Cause it's not like you can ask Cristobal about fall camp. Like, what are you mm-hmm. seeing from this guy? Cause they aren't in it yet, yeah. but it's like previewing fall camp and the season. And, it, you know, I kind of was like, oh, should I ask something about the Ohio State game? But then I know the answer is just going to be like, <laughs> no, we're not looking at that yet. That's way too far ahead. Um, so, but even, even it, if it's not true. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get so, coach speak back to you every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, it's kind of a weirdly placed event, but it's also a cool thing that's just like football season's here. Um, so that's cool. I think probably you get into more than meat of the players and stuff. Um, in after fall practices, hearing the coach's perspective on what they just saw, mm-hmm. but it was a cool event. It was, it was cool again to rub shoulders with a lot of those people. Um, and then I, you know, so I got to sit through uh, the Chris ball, Johnny Johnson and Barone McKinley pressers. And then we broke off and went to individual tables and I got to interview a bunch of guys, Dante Manning, Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Jordan Happel, Terrence Ferguson. Um, I'm probably missing Ty Thompson. I got to nice. uh, do um, Robbie Ashford. Yeah, it was, so it was cool just to like have a conversation with actual players um, and interview them. Uh, and some of those are posted over on Ducks Digest if you want to read them individually. But overall, my takeaway was just I think that this team is coming together well. I, I'm imp- I was impressed with almost all the guys I talked to. Um, just kind of they had a similar vision and dedication to like the philosophy of the program, uh, particularly us just being a process oriented place. Um, you know, one of the questions I asked almost everyone was, you know, what are your goals for this coming season? How would you define success for yourself going forward? And almost all the players redirected it just like I'm sure Chris Ball would want them to, to say, like, I just want to show up every day and, you know, get better, um, and put in the work and the results will come after that. You know, 
that's not kind of the best quote to get as a journalist sometimes, but mm -hmm. I think that that's the best approach to have as a player probably. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. And I think, you know, the team's coming together. I think that leaders are being forged kind of after a tough year last year. Verone McKinley is a guy who's stepping up big time, I think, in the in the defense and taking a leadership role. I think that players are really kind of gelling behind Anthony Brown as well. I think he's solidified his hold on that QB1 spot. Mm -hmm. um, particularly Ashford kind of stood out. He talked about his relationship with Anthony Brown a lot um, and seeing him as a real mentor and just, you know, looking up, up to him and having faith in him to lead this team. And so that was you know, a really cool thing to hear that uh, Brown was able to come in and kind of take control. Cause that's the biggest thing I think with a new quarterback is, you know, the on the field part is one thing, but it's also just about taking leadership and having everyone kind of buy into the mission that you're, you know, the face of more or less. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been a success so far. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's a really weird time to have that sort of event. Um, like you mentioned again, it's before fall camp. So like, you're just going to get a bunch of generic answers. Um, but again, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, especially if you're on the inside looking out. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what is next on my list here? Fall camp. Fun stuff. Let's get into it. Um, we have had, I couldn't remember earlier and I can't now it's either I think today was practice five. Is that right? Yeah, five or six, I think. Yeah, because it was Friday, Saturday. I think they had Sunday off, Monday. Yeah, Tuesday. probably. Yeah. Or maybe Monday was – or Monday was just closed to media. That's the thing is some of these are closed to media, so I have to count it weird. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, either way, um, I mean, we could just update people on some injuries and uh, who's playing with – what rotation basically because i feel like for a lot of fans that's kind of what you want to know out of fall camp at the end is like who's actually playing and where are they on the depth chart um i mean you can go read like scoop duck or 247 if you want to know like what drills they were running during practice um right and yeah like again media only gets to see like a fourth of practice um if that so uh, but it is nice for, you know, quotes. If you're doing a story, um, get, meet guys out in the courtyard, get some quotes. Um, again, as I mentioned, I got to talk to, uh, Triquiz Bridges, uh, Cristobal was out there. Um, Justin Flo, I got to, I didn't ask a question, but I was there for his interview. Um, and the person who impressed me the most actually was Verone McKinley. Uh, yeah. he seems like a super composed guy. And I mean, he's been here for a while, but it still feels like he, I mean, he, does have a lot of eligibility left um and I, I asked him about like who do you think are the leader like first of all do you consider yourself a leader on this defense and like who else are the leaders um he mentioned himself and this the second name out of his mouth is Noah Sewell um which I thought was very interesting uh him and Kayvon obviously um and Brandon Dorless was another name he mentioned that I thought was a very interesting yeah um so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was very interesting. Again, as we mentioned, the secondary is kind of in different places right now. So to have a leader like Verone, I feel a lot better about our defense. I mean, imagine if we had, like, another freshman having to step in at safety instead of him. Like, that would not be very reassuring. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I very much enjoyed talking to Verone. But in terms of fall camp, I mean, who are some guys that you've been hearing about that have stood out to you? Yeah, well, uh, just on that note on Verone, I mean, he is he's that guy in terms of, you know, the experience and leadership aspect on the team. Because you look, you think back to that 2019 Rose Bowl, I mean, who here is still kind of around who is a major contributor there? It's mostly him and, and Kayvon, really. Uh, you know, Mace, Mace had some spot minutes there, but you know, Verone and Kayvon were the guys who were flirting with starting status that whole year, um, and started some games. Um, and so, you know, that's who has to be the leader and who knows kind of what that full season grind is like when you're trying to get to a playoff. I think that, you know, Verone's going to have to get this group, uh, to kind of buy into being, uh, you know, playoff caliber team. And Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, he does that. I think that he's been successful. And then I think, you know, like you said, Noah Sewell, it's time for him to step up and, you know, he showed it on the field in his first year. And now I think he's earned that respect level to be a more vocal leader, uh, you know, as well. Um, We saw real quick, we saw Noah Sewell um, at SNL, obviously not, not dressed to practice, but he was literally leading some drills and like coaching the recruits out on the field. That was awesome. We're talking about a guy who's been here for not even two years now. Like that's pretty crazy. So yeah, no doubt. I was very impressed with Noah Sewell. Yeah. I would say the same thing. Uh, That was super cool to see. And it, yeah, it's something you wouldn't really expect to see from a guy that age, but it, kind of just shows I mean after Penne went through this program I think that there's just so much belief in Noah from the staff I'm sure um and you know with that family there's just something special about the Sewells it seems like in terms of football um and so you know it's it (laughs) should be a big year for him yeah coming off Pac-12 defensive freshman player of the year I think I got that in the right order whatever um so yeah i mean back to practice i don't know i kind of veered off there a little bit with verone but um obviously as cristobal mentioned at pac-12 media days anthony brown is the ones at quarterback um getting all the first team reps which is you know as expected is just as we mentioned kind of like box checking confirmation that that's what we expect uh robbie ashford has kind of been with the twos i don't know it, it's been like a mixture because Ashford. Ashford wasn't throwing uh, like yesterday as much, but then today he was with the twos. It's just constantly evolving. Uh, If I had to predict it right now, though, I would think the depth chart goes Brown, then Ashford, then question mark, (laughs) like maybe Butterfield, maybe Thompson. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think, I could see that. I mean, I think Ashford has impressed so far, especially in that spring game. And it looks like in practice as well. Um, I think I would say, I I mean, kind of going into fall camp, obviously I didn't get to be on their ground and see it in person, but you know, Butterfield was the guy who I think most people probably had for the twos more -hmm. because I think it delays the decision the most out of any option. You know, I think he, he had the, he had the spot with the, threes it was last year and now after the departure of shock just shuffling him up to the twos would be kind of the simplest thing to do so I think it would be a statement to put anyone else there but 
but at the same time, you know, your second quarterback uh, is not just a spot to, I don't know, put a label on for outside appearance that actually matters, you mm-hmm. know, you uh, whether it's someone getting, you know, if Anthony Brown has to take a, has a little injury that he has to get, you know, taped up or gets his helmet ripped off. And by rule, you have to have a play for the second team quarterback in there. Um, you know, there's a good chance the second teamer will have to take at least a couple snaps of importance. Um, and so it's important to get the, to get the right guy in there. Um, and that's interesting. And, uh, you know, well, as we talked about, it's a loaded quarterback room. I think any of those three guys uh, could be really good if they develop in the right way. So I'm just excited to see whoever it is that separates themselves, I think will be a cool thing to see. For sure. Um, in the running back room, I, we've only been hearing good things about the three incoming uh, running backs, uh, Byron Cardwell, Seven McGee, and uh, Trey Benson. Um, I think that out of the three of them, just because of – his kind of unique body type. I still think uh, McGee might be the one to get the most touches. Obviously, I mean, Benson was here last year, wasn't he? He's a, was he yeah. a red shirt? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, technically it's not a red shirt because of COVID, but oh, yeah, that's pretty right. much. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. I mean, so out of these three, who do you think this is such a, this is such a terrible question for right now, but out of these three, who do you think, gets the most touches this year yeah I, I oh god I don't really have an answer exactly honestly I guess I would say seven because I think we have to just throw him like I think we'll just let him loose on like one of those fly sweeps or like mm-hmm. screen pass or something you know uh, once or twice a game maybe just because yeah. he is that dynamic um whereas I think you know, Benson and Cardwell really want to be every down backs or at least like a splitting and every down back role. And unless, you know, Verdell and or die goes down, there's not going to be that many carries there. Um, but Cardwell said, I've been hearing really good things about Cardwell Benson's rehabbing. I think he said he's like 95% back. Yep. So it's a good running back room. It looks like for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Obviously, Burdell's dealt with his own injuries in the past. Like, Travis Dye's been pretty solid, but, I mean, just put some gloves on. Um, so, <laughs> like you said, I think we're set up really well for the future in the running back room. Um, obviously, we're not – that's not even – I think that's kind of a box that's checked right now for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, McGee's probably a guy who will be, like, returning kicks as well. Uh, that's sort of assumed. That's a good point. And, I don't remember. That would be awesome. That, rule. Yeah. Um, you want to move on to receivers? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, let's just kind of yeah. run through the the offensive ones at this point. Um, we've kind of touched on a little bit. Uh, Brown Verdell slash die as the running back. Uh, wide receiver. I don't think we'll be seeing any major changes um, today, as reported by Scopel. Uh, the ones at receiver were um, – sorry, let me find this. Uh, I think it's Pittman, Johnson, and Franklin. Yes, thank you. It was Franklin. And McCormick uh, at tight end, Cam McCormick. Or no, sorry, he was with two. Spencer Webb. Um, mm. So, yeah, obviously Franklin in there. Be, assume 
you know, I don't know if he'll be starting day one. Um, I think uh, Jalen Red is still dealing with an injury. Yeah. Uh, we saw him off to the side, which it was funny. I was talking to Dylan about this. Um, we were walking around. We were like, wait, who's number six again? Like, got to, okay, pull up the, you know, roster on my phone. Like, oh, it's Jalen Red. Like, he's not number 30 anymore. Um, he's number six now. Uh, so That's obviously funny. he'll, he'll probably be in that slot position, um, as usual. So again, media wasn't there for this part of practice, but I'm assuming based on the way they were listed that like, uh, you had Franklin on the outside, um, and then Pittman in that slot receiver spot. Um, or it could be Johnson as well, I guess. Uh, but again, I mean, we've heard, we've said it time and time again, this is the most talented receiver room we've had in quite a while. Um, yeah in terms of stars and in terms of just bodies. I mean, Devin Williams is not even like a bona fide starter at this point. And on pretty much any other PAC 12 team, you would say he is maybe outside of like USC. Right. Um, so yeah, this, this room is stacked. Um, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. For me, I think the questions are, you know, what happens with Devin Williams? Is he going to, step into that kind of bona fide starter role or is this inconsistency going to leave opportunity for someone else like Troy Franklin? And then, you know, what do we see from Troy Franklin is the other thing is, is he just how good is he? You know, we know, we know he's pretty good so far, but is he going to be at that level where he really, you know, can take on almost a starting role and be one of the best wide receivers as a freshman? Mm -hmm. Uh, because that would be insane. But, you know, so far he's kind of looked like he's capable of doing that. Yeah. Uh, offensive line across the board looks like it'll be the same starters as last year. Uh, George Moore, TJ Bass, Alex Forsyth, Ryan Walk, and then Sala at right tackle. Um, I don't, I don't really see any of these guys getting replaced. Um, I know we have a guy like Kingsley Suamatias, someone that people probably want to see getting a lot of reps, but I mean, you can't just push off a senior like more like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, do you have anything to say about the offensive line? Uh, no, not really. No, I think it, it's probably that rotation that it was last year and maybe, maybe someone like Kingsley or uh, I, I mean, Kingsley's the big one. I would say Marcus Harper and Jonathan Dennis, I think, have a chance to maybe do something, but I think more than likely it's kind of same deal as it was last year. And hopefully they get better just based on those reps that they got last year. Yeah. Um, tight end might be the most interesting position group to discuss on offense right now. Um, DJ Johnson hasn't been in fall practice, uh, fall camp at all. Uh, crystal ball's been very vague as to why uh, he's, all he said is that he'll be back soon. And that was last week and he's still not back. So he's always vague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Johnson was like kind of the starter last year, I guess. Yeah. He, he was a starting tight end last year. You'd say um, yeah. we did see, you know, some 12 uh, from Joe Moorhead, that being two tight ends. Um, but right now I think it's pretty clear that uh, Spencer Webb is kind of the one um, with Cam McCormick. Again, if, if Johnson comes back, he probably gets thrown in that mix. Um, again, when you when you run 12, you got to go at least like three deep with quality tight ends, if not four. Um, 
if DJ Johnson comes back, I don't know if Patrick Herbert really gets a lot of time this year. Uh, he's just a name that people love throwing out there because he's Justin's brother, but um, I, don't, I don't really know how much he's going to actually appear on the field. Uh, but I wanted to touch on the, the two new guys, Terrence Ferguson and Malika Matavau. I think that's right. I don't know. Um, Ferguson, obviously kind of a, you know, they're both huge, basically. I was going to say Ferguson's yeah. kind of a bigger guy, but they're both like 6'6". Six, six. Like, Matavau is huge, too. We've heard Maliki's name a little bit more, I think, um, throughout camp. So I, I would kind of slate him to maybe get some reps, uh, especially against, like, Stony Brook, for instance. Um, that would be fun. I feel really confident about that room going forward uh, with those two guys, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's just – Usually with your freshmen, it's like, oh, I just wish we could get another year in the weight room with them before they step in. But with those guys, you know, they're just as big and physical as anyone in that room. So I think, you know, it would be exciting to see either Ferguson or Montevallo get get serious reps this year. Yeah, obviously, it's great to see McCormick just being, you know, physically fit. Um <laughs> If yeah, you're not aware, we, he's been here since 2016. <laughs> right. Um, and, and we've been through it before. I mean, he was famously the slotted starter over Jacob Breland heading into 2019. Yeah. And then Breland did enough early in that season to give him some, like, early round NFL draft buzz before he got injured. Uh, so yeah. yeah, he was Herbert's number one target before he tore his ACL. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, if McCormick really earned that starting spot, but we have no reason to doubt that he did. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. uh, that means he would be a pretty good player, um, really good player. <laughs> so if he's healthy again, that could be awesome. But, you know, it's kind of too we've been through the routine so many times. It's kind of like I'll believe it when I see it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And that that's fair. Um with DJ Johnson, in case you forgot, dear listeners, uh, DJ Johnson was a defensive end uh, when he came to Oregon, um, when he transferred from Miami, I believe, right? And uh, yeah. he's, he was our starting tight end last year, and he played pretty well when he had to. Um, obviously had that touchdown catch against USC. Uh, I'm sure I, I can't remember the other games where he scored, but no, he, he's looked, you know, we haven't seen him in fall yet, but uh, I don't want to slander the guy. I think Webb is a better pass catcher. Um, that's kind of always yeah. the knock on Webb too as well, though, is that he's like more of a wide receiver in a tight end's body. He doesn't block as well. Um, but safe right. to say we're healthy at tight end. We're, we're looking good. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the ones. Uh, Webb was the one. Uh, with the ones today in practice um again we we've said this about every position group like feel very confident you know feel very good about who you got at every spot and that's i mean oh yeah overall the offense looks good to me right now um i think you know wide receivers as talented as it's been i'm feeling better and better about anthony brown the more i hear the more i hear about kind of the other team rallying around him and just seeing clips of him, I think he's a capable player. I think that the narrative of him just being at Boston College and being kind of a transfer who doesn't belong here is a little overblown. Mm -hmm. I think you can improve over your career. I mean, 
people say, oh, he's 30 or something, which he isn't, they're exaggerating. You know, he's 24 or whatever it is, or 23. And, he, you know, people get better at that age. I mean, look in the yeah. NFL, you come in and you're not that good and you develop and by 28, you get really good. So that he, you know, he didn't even play very much last year. There's tons of room for him to have improved in a new system in a better environment at Oregon with better teammates, better, better coaching. Um, who's to say he couldn't be one of the best quarterbacks in the PAC 12. Yeah. I, I'm not going to argue against that. Uh, the podcast of champions was run through uh, PAC 12 quarterback like lists in their head when I was listening yesterday and there is not a, I mean, historically, there have been a lot of good uh, quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I mean, even guys like Josh Rosen have just kind of been there, uh, or, you know, Jared Goff, if you think he's a good quarterback, what have you. Um, that's not really the case this year. I mean, it's like – Not at all. It's like Daniels, Slovis have to be in the conversation, and then it's kind of like who else you got? DTR, you know, maybe, depending how you – feel about him yeah I, I would put yeah. him in like the tier two of like it's a prove it year like right for him and brown too like it's a prove it year um so yeah i mean totally he definitely can be one of the best quarterbacks in the pac-12 uh especially the north i mean i think that area is totally open for contention um yeah okay uh moving on um do you want to just gloss over the defense real quick yeah let's do it ones um, KT goes without saying, uh, I'm actually writing a defensive preview for the daily Emerald right now. And, uh, I've been focusing on how Moorhead's been, or not Moorhead, sorry, DeRuiter's been, he kind of, he does a lot of different stuff with his fronts, uh, with his front seven, um, KT's basically going to be playing outside linebacker kind of, I mean, it's, Edge is sort of the perfect descriptor for it. Um, and then with he and Funo on the other side is what we saw in the spring game. And it seems to be that that's, I mean, Deruder kind of gave confirmation as to like, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Someone asked a clarifying question about that sort of outside edge role. Um, and he said, I mean, a lot of guys are still just interchangeable. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see like Adrian Jackson out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see like, uh, you know, someone like if Javon Navarrete gets reps, for instance, like he could go out there. Um, but then you go to more traditional like defensive ends, like a Jake Shipley or Braden Swinson, they'll also be playing in that spot. Um, so what was your defensive end is now kind of just a standing defensive end, I guess, maybe yeah. with a little more coverage responsibilities. Um, you still expect Kayvon to be on the strong side. Um, or, you know, he can switch around. Like, again, this is all interchangeable according to DeRuiter. Um, right. I mean, and, and DeRuiter's calling card is, or kind of what made him famous in the coaching role was, was what he did with Vaughn Miller at Texas exactly. A&M. Yeah. And Vaughn Miller's a pretty good player, obviously, <laughs> you know, Kayvon is, is that level in college right now. I mean, he's the guy in terms of an edge rusher. So, you know, DeRuiter's had success showcasing these types of these types of talents before. And so I'm just excited to see him him let Kayvon loose and use him in all these kind of interesting ways. 
to help him impact the game. Um, and I think, you know, you talk about him alongside Mace Funa and Adrian Jackson having kind of a spot role there. If those guys live up to their, you know, billing, then it's going to be a nasty pass rush group because, mm-hmm. I mean, Mace is a guy who I always say if he hadn't gone injured his senior year at, at modern day, he could have been a five-star. Yeah. Um, Adrian Jackson has ridiculous speed for his body, for his size as a linebacker. Um, and he was a top 200 guy coming out of high school. Like that, that three way, three headed, you know, monster could be really scary and, and wreak havoc on really, you know, any team that they face. Um, Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, going back to that D line. I mean, I think Popo is slotted to have kind of a really good year with increased opportunity after Jordan Scott's left. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's kind of, you know, uh, I think slimmed down a little bit and just kind of gotten his body right ahead of the season. Uh, and, you know, he can hold down that nose spot on the interior then you have Dorless is obviously, you know, a guy I've talked about a lot. I think he's ready to emerge for a really good, for a really good season this year. Um, and so that starting group of that, you know, front seven, front six, I guess, with the added defensive back mm-hmm. is insanely talented when then the two guys I haven't mentioned are the inside linebacker, Noah Sewell and Justin and flow who are who could be two of the best you know the <laughs> yeah. best maybe the best inside linebacker duo or you know in that discussion top five in the country mm-hmm. um and all of a sudden that first at least the ones there uh in that front six or seven look uh, insane like nothing we've really ever seen before in terms of at least in terms of their kind of recruiting ranking heading in uh at oregon I mean, even for me, when I look at the twos and threes, especially on the defensive line, it's like, who in the Pac-12 is going to stop these dudes? Who is stopping Jason Jones? And right now you would call him like the, you know, he'd be a two or three on the defense. Like, these guys are going to dominate. <laughs> I mean, you got a guy like Popo Omave in there who's been here for, shoot, almost as long as McCormick at this rate. Um, I mean, him and like you said, Dorless will probably be the two interior linemen for lack of a better term. Um, guys like Keon Ware Hudson, Christian Williams, whose names we keep repeating, uh, going to make a huge impact. Uh, Michael Efese is a guy who's injured right now, uh, in a boot, but, um, he'll, you know, he'll get snaps at some point. I'm sure. Uh, just, I, I don't see who's stopping these dudes. Like, they're just too big. Yeah, I think that's that's so true. But then, you know, my question always c- comes back to, you know, what happened last year when we, you know, lost to Oregon State? Like, yeah, that's a good point. how is it these same guys that did that last year? And, and what's going to be different this year under DeRuiter? Because you look mm-hmm. at it on paper and it's you're 100% right. How does, how does, you know, almost anyone in the Pac-12 stand up with them? stand up against them. Um, it seems like, you know, we should be getting consistent enough pressure to just control games almost yeah. in the conference schedule control. You know, it seems like we'll, we should have to have 
you know, big turnover events for teams to lose, to drop conference games. Um, and that's what happened. Like when right. we did. Um, that's true. That's true. But um, at the same time, we did give up like a whole bunch of points to Oregon state. I don't even remember what it was at this rate. Yeah. And the tackling issues were there, you know, that stuff just has to be cleaned up this year. And hopefully, you know, it was just a, the reality of COVID and the shortened season and the trouble practicing and the limited off season and all of that, that led to it last year, because Mm -hmm. again, on paper, you know, this looks like a really impressive front seven unit. And the only question to me is, you know, looking at them on paper is how do they match up against Ohio state? Yep. Um, it's not a question of whether they can they can control a game versus a lot of the Pac-12 teams on paper, uh, but we need to see both those things this season. Yep, for sure. Um, on the back end, uh, we discussed this a little bit, but uh, Wright and James were sort of the you know incumbent starters. Uh, James, we don't know what his deal is, so maybe it's Manning or Bridges in that spot in that second corner spot instead. Maybe a freshman like Jalen Davies uh, or Avante Dickerson steps up. But uh, it's safety, Verone McKinley, definitely. Um, Steve Stevens, maybe, being the other safety. I think the safety room altogether, including Nickel, is going to be interesting. Yeah. As, we meant, as we led with, uh, I mean, whether it's Williams or Happel or even Jeffrey Bassa taking over that Nickel spot, um, there's going to be quite a bit of rotation. A guy like Brian Addison is going to get a lot of reps, who, by the way, uh, is there a taller DB in the entire country than Brian Addison? <laughs> I mean, I know he was recruited as a wideout, um, but he's six <laughs> four, yeah. playing safety. Like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stevens obviously is a sophomore. Uh, he started in one game last year. Um, Happel and Williams, we've gone over many times. Uh, and you know, Damon David, maybe he gets some reps at safety. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking at at safety is I hope Steven steps in. I think physically he has the tools to be a really good player. And he I know he's, you know, close with Verone. Um, and I think them playing together could, you know, if that clicks, that could be a good safety duo for sure. And then Damon David, Scoop, as they call him, uh, <laughs> could be kind of that impact freshman that we start to see the most from, I think. Um, But yeah, you know, the secondary is the question on this team right now for me. Um, More than anything, I think that's, that's what I worry about is, you know, especially with that Ohio state game is can that group hold up for four quarters, Uh, especially with kind of the depth concerns with, DJ James and Jamal Hill potentially missing some time Mm -hmm. for sure. One more thing on David Uh, out of all the DBs that were milling around in that practice, I got to go to um, and being interviewed. Of course, the main question that got asked like four or five times, these different guys was like, who of the young crop is like stepping up, you know, who, who's really like showing out. And the first name out of everybody's mouth was scoop. Like he's been balling out in practice. So shoot he gets on the field and does it there that'd be great too okay i think that pretty much covers uh all the ones or who we assume to be the ones so far um at least from practices uh you got anything else (laughs) uh just in general yeah 
Uh, I guess only other thing we should probably talk about is is just those. We got Tucker, Tucker on August twentieth committing, and McMillan I think on the sixteenth is his announcement. Um, okay. So those are the two big ones coming up. Uh, as I said, read that final forecast piece that's about to post on Ducks Digest. Um, but I forecasted Tucker to Oregon. That one I think most people are pretty confident in. I also uh, ended up going with McMillan to Oregon. That was probably the toughest decision I had to make. Um, Ted Roa McMillan, for those who don't know who I'm talking about, um, out of Servite High School. The yeah. dynamic Four-star there is pretty much down. Yeah, yeah. Really good, really good player. Uh, kind of a jump ball threat. Um, good amazing body control, high four-star, you know, could, could end up being close to a five-star. Um, but the dynamic there is kind of between Arizona and Oregon uh, as it's coming down to, and, and most people are going to say, what, how is Arizona even competing with Oregon for someone that good? Mainly because they have two of his high school teammates, his high school uh, quarterback, Noah Fifita, I think. And then, his high school uh, tight end, Keon Burnett, I think is his name, um, both at Arizona. So he could join them there. It's a little closer to home for him. Uh, and he obviously gets more early access, more early reps there, kind of to be showcased for his three to four years there. Um, but I think for him, Oregon is also kind of in a dream school um and Oregon just plays higher level college football right now obviously Mm -hmm. uh but it's that's a decision to watch I mean that's one of those situations where you know oftentimes in recruiting now you kind of know what a decision is heading into the commitment you know most people had a pretty good feel on Florence heading into today just to be honest Mm -hmm. uh and this is one where it's really up in the air at least right now and so monitoring that is is going to be super tough I honestly wrote a draft of the article where I had him to Arizona. I did some more digging. I decided to flip it to Oregon barely. Um, USC also in the mix as well. You got to say, yeah, US USC is, is in the mix as well. Kind of will be that third hat on the table, but I think like, but yeah, it's probably a two horse race. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, I think probably there, I think, USC just attracts a certain type of person, kind of like the LA kid. And he's maybe not quite that a little more introverted and might enjoy kind of that college town feel a little more. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think he probably doesn't end up at USC, but you know, you never know in recruiting. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, So yeah, those are two to look out for McMillan. You said on the 16th and then that's uh, right. Yeah. And Tucker on the 20th. Um, Again, we already have 17 commitments. <laughs> and, I know. and the season hasn't even started yet. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, pretty soon here, man, we're going to have to start getting into like game previews. The Fresno preview. I know, man. I know. It's crazy to think of. But yeah, we are, we are not that far away at all now. Not at all. Yeah, we'll get a full actual season in for the first time. Hopefully it'll be pretty fun. Um, yeah, I can't think of any other announcements or anything. Um, 
Yeah, on our on our next episode, we we're trying to maybe get Jonathan from Scoop Duck back on uh, oh, right, probably right. after those two commitments uh, from Tucker and McMillan to react to that. Uh, we'll probably do a little mini season preview, catch up on some more fall camp buzz that's come out, and who knows what else we'll have to talk about that at that point. But um, yeah, that that's it for me, really. Yeah, same here. Um, Please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, a couple, you know, a couple broke college kids. Uh, we don't have ads yet. Um, so, yeah, thanks for supporting us. Uh, give us, we forgot to ask for questions, but um, we'll try to, I don't know, hopefully one day we can get like enough questions to do a mailbag. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, um, that would be fun. But yeah, thank you all for listening and go Ducks. Go Ducks.